come to the well that never runs dry drink of the water come and thirst no
How great the chasm that lay between us How high the mountain I could not climb In desperation I turned to heaven And spoke your name into the night Then through the darkness Your loving kindness Tore through the shadows of my soul The work is finished The end is written Jesus Christ, my living hope Who could imagine so great a mercy What heart could fathom Such boundless grace The God of ages Stepped down from glory To wear my sin And bear my shame The cross has
Hey, happy Easter weekend to you, New Life family. Thank you so much for tuning in. There are literally uh, tens of thousands of churches online right now that you could be tuned into, but you've decided to tune in to New Life Christian Center right out here in the valley, uh, the Central Valley of California. And we just want to say hello to you. Happy weekend. Happy Easter. And there's something that we do for Easter weekend uh, every time. Easter is a great uh, opportunity for uh, pastors all across the world to be a little hokey, be a little cheesy, all right? And so one thing that we like to do here uh, at New Life is we like to say that he is risen, and then we expect for you to say he is risen indeed, okay? And so this is what we are here for this weekend. This is why we exist as a church because Christ Jesus has risen from the grave. And so this is Super Bowl Sunday for us uh, in the church world. And so we just want to say that he is risen. So I'm going to say it, and then I want wherever you're watching, whatever state you are in, whatever time zone you're in, it may not even be Easter day, okay? You could be listening to this in your car or sitting in your living room and you're, or you're, you're cooking Easter dinner, whatever, and now you're listening to this. When I say he is risen, I want you to shout back at to me, all right, back to me, he is risen indeed. You got that, Austin? All right, Sandy. Okay, I need you here. Okay, here we go. Ready? He is risen. Ah, good. I heard you. He is risen. Okay, one time with passion, Austin. Okay, Christ Jesus has risen for you. Okay, here we go. He has risen. There we go. Okay. I know you probably couldn't hear them, but they, uh, they were screaming back at me, so that's good. Hey, uh, before we get into uh, the message this weekend, uh, we just wanted to, uh, first of all, just say thank you. Thank you for, for tuning in. Also, go ahead and take out your phones, uh, pull up the New Life app, go, uh, go down to the right-hand corner, click on Connect, and then Weekend Resources, and then Sermon Notes, and then you'll see the date uh, for this weekend, April 4th weekend, Easter weekend. Go ahead and pull up the sermon notes uh, for this weekend. Also, go ahead and check in that you're watching New Life Christian Center out here in California, whether it's the Patterson campus or the Turlock campus. Uh, go ahead and check in. Um, hey, if you're tuning in for the very first time, uh, all through the week, we pray over the needs of our church. And the way that we do that, the way that we know that you have a prayer need is that we have a, a, a word that we text to a number and then that prayer request comes into us. So go ahead and text the word prayers, P-R-A-Y-E-R-S, to 30500. That way we can be praying over whatever need that you have. Also, if you're new to us, uh, we have a ton of resources available on our website, newlifecc.com. Whether you have a little, little kids or, or junior high or high school or or you have a life group somewhere in the country or somewhere in California, we have questions that actually complement our messages from the weekend uh, that you can kind of go through and helps you grow in your faith. And so those are what we call our life group questions, but those are available online as well through our resource page. Also, um, if you uh, if you are uh, if you've been faithful in your generosity, we just want to say thank you so much for doing that. Whether you give uh, through the through the app or through the website, or whether you like to physically send your gift in, and if you do that, the address is on the screen as we speak. Uh, we just want to say thank you. It's a heart issue, 
And it's not something that Christ asked us to do. It's something he commanded us to do if we're followers of him, to trust him with our, with our life, with our marriage, with our children, with our health, and with our resources, with our finances. And so it's an, it's an opportunity for us to just surrender uh, just a portion or percentage back to the Lord. And so those of you who are supporting uh, uh, New Life with your, with your gifts, we just want to say thank you so much for doing that because we could not do it without you. All right. Uh, we hope you're enjoying your Connect 3 groups. Uh, our Connect 3 group is still going strong. And uh, if you want more information about that, you can just uh, text the word Connect 3, C-O-N-N-E-C-T, and the number 3, all one word, to 30500. And we'll give you some information about that. It's basically like a, an ongoing Monday through Friday uh, 30-second Bible study. And so it's really cool. It's been really effective uh, for me and my group. And so just want to encourage you uh, to do the same. Well, we've been in this series called Love Wins for a few weeks now, and we've been setting this up that when we get to this portion of the series, Easter weekend, it changes from Love Wins to Love One. And we're going to give you the reason why we call it Love One in just a few minutes uh, as we we dive into this. Before we uh, get into the message, let's pray. Uh, Let's pray that uh, wherever you're watching from, uh, whomever you're watching with, uh, that God will speak to you somehow during this message, and uh, and we can just see lives change because that's what it's all about. Okay, bow your heads with me, Father. Thank you so much for the opportunity that we get to come into the homes, into the cars, into the lives of people who are watching. Father, I pray, Lord, that your words will speak through me to your people. We can grow in our faith, and those who have never accepted you as their Lord and Savior, accepted what you did on the cross, uh, and accepted the fact that three days later you rose from the dead, and that's why we celebrate this weekend, Father, that they can come to that knowledge and wisdom this weekend. Lord, we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay. Uh, Back a few years ago, Back actually uh, a long time ago, back in the early 2000s, my son, my oldest son Caleb, who's now 25, uh, played on a baseball team. And at the time, uh, he he was too young to play coach's pitch, and I didn't even teach this kid how to play, how to hit off a tee. Uh, ever since he was just a little bitty fella, I would, I would pitch the ball to him, and he would just crank it. He was so, so talented uh, with, uh, in, in just about any sport that he played. So I thought, you know, I'm not going to teach him how to hit off a tee if he can already hit being pitched to. And so uh, I thought, what do I do with this kid? What league do I put him in? And about that time, the children's pastor of the church that we were attending approached me and said, hey, I know that Caleb is seven years old. Uh, he's kind of in that, in that weird age group. We lived in Tennessee. He's in that ir- weird age group of what league he should play in. But there's a lot of really good seven-year-old kids, seven-year-old boys uh, that attend this church. I'm going to put a team together. And so they may not be good this year, but I promise you by the time they're nine and they're about to age out of this, uh, this uh, league into the next one, no one's going to be able to stop them. I'm like, okay, let's do this. So it was really hard to see into the future how this was going to play out because he was right. Uh, all these boys were seven years old, a lot of raw talent. Uh, and the first season was, it was hard. It was ugly. I mean, we lost so badly in some of the games that they even stopped the game in the middle and like the third or fourth inning and said, hey, you guys are losing by 20 runs. There's no way you're going to catch up. So we're just going to call it a night, all right? And so it was pretty painful. But sure enough, 
Within a couple of years, by the time these kids got to where they'd been playing together for three years, they're all the same age. They're all nine. They've been growing a little bit. They'd filled out a little bit. They were unstoppable. And I'm, I'm telling you, we smoked every single uh, uh, um, uh, other team in this league. In fact, there were, there were uh, uh, teams in other counties that were bringing their team in to play us, and we were smoking them too. It was such a great year. Now, it was hard to see, like I said, when these kids were seven, how this was going to play out because we don't always know the ending. When we were beating these teams, at the end of the season, we won first place, and we thought, what else is left? It's over. It's finished. There's no, there's no one else uh, to beat. This, put, this team was put together for one, for one reason. That was to win. That's what we've done. Now what? The ending was written. Now, we can go back and we can relive those moments like we're doing right now, but it was finished. Nothing else to do. You know, when you, when you, when you watch a movie that you know the ending, uh, sometimes you want to change it. Like the movie Titanic. Every time I watch it, I'm like, maybe they won't hit the iceberg this time. <laughs> maybe they'll go around it and everybody lives happily ever after. Or Rocky IV, when the Russian gives the, the death blow to Apollo Creed. I, I, I watched that and I'm like, just dodge it this time. All right, that way you can come up, smack that Russian in the, in, the, in the head and then Rocky doesn't have to go through everything he has to do to beat the Russian. But you know what, it's the same ending every time. They hit the iceberg in Titanic, Apollo gets killed, never to come back again. But in the story that we're going to be going through this weekend with Jesus and the cross and the resurrection, it's the same ending every single time. He's brutally crucified on the cross, but three days later, risen from the grave. And that's what we're celebrating. You can read it. You can reread it. You can just go over and over. The ending never changes. It's a triumphant ending. The greatest ending of any story that we'll ever read. Jesus rose from the grave. And let me give you a little bit of context. If you grew up in church, you'll remember that the night before the cross, when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, excuse me, the Bible says that he was in such agony thinking about what he was about to experience that he literally had drops of blood coming from his brow. Friday seemed a little bleak. On the night that he was arrested and they began beating him, Friday seemed a little discouraging. When they led him to the cross and he ended up dying on the cross and they buried him in the tomb. But what we have to remember is that three days, three days later is the reason why you and I are here today. Because we're serving a risen Savior. Everything that Jesus was dreading was even worse than he probably even imagined. The Roman soldiers beat him senseless after whipping him 39 times across his back. They beat him again and again in his face. They mocked him. They spit on him. Here's creation abusing the creator. They took a crown of the sharpest thorns that you can imagine, pressing it down onto his head into his, in, to, where, in, in, to, to where it pierced the skin on his head. And blood would pour down on his, beat, on, on his badly beaten face. 
The soldiers then took long spikes and drove him, drove them through his wrists and through his ankles, suspending him in midair on a cross. Because as man was at his worst, God was at his best. John chapter 19, verses 28 through 30. It says this, Jesus knew that everything was now finished. And to fulfill the scriptures, he said, I am thirsty. Now we're going to... You say, how does him being thirsty fulfill the scriptures? We're going to see in just a minute. A jar of sour wine was sitting there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put it on a hyssop branch, and held it to his lips. When Jesus had tasted it, he said, it is finished. And then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. It is finished. Imagine the moment. When he finally fulfilled that very last unfulfilled prophecy. And Jesus maybe either in in, in a loud triumphant cry or maybe in a soft private whisper declared before God, it's done. Father, we did it. It's finished. I did what you sent me to do and it's finished. You know why? Because love won. Love won. You may say, well, Jeremy, what, what exactly did he mean by it is finished? What was it that was finished? Well, I'm glad you asked because hopefully you got time to write this list of things down that was finished because it was so many things. I mean, one of the things is the, uh, uh, the prophecies that have been prophesied hundreds of years before, all the way back in the Old Testament, there were prophets that declared and decreed what was going to happen on the day that Jesus was crucified. They prophesied all these things hundreds of years before it even happened. Amos, the, the prophet Amos prophesied that darkness would stretch across the land on the moment that Jesus died, and it happened. Isaiah said that Jesus was one, would one day be rejected, and he was. Isaiah said that he would be beaten, and he was. That he would be spit upon, and he was. That he would be wounded and bruised for our transgressions, and he was. That he would uh, uh, pray for the persecutors on that day uh, of, his, of his crucifixion, and he did. That he would be crucified beside thieves, and he was. Psalms, the writer of Psalms, the author of Psalms, said that he would be betrayed and mocked, and he was. That they would gamble for his clothing, and they did. That none of his bones would be broken, and they weren't. And that he would cry out on that day, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And Jesus did that. Zechariah also declared that he would be forsaken by his friends, and he was. Read the story. Of all, of all the disciples, when he was arrested, they scattered. Peter, de- uh, he denied even knowing Jesus three times. It was prophesied that he would be pierced, and he was, that they would give him vinegar to drink when he said, I am thirsty, and that's exactly what happened. It's finished. All of the prophecies have been completed. So what else was finished when Jesus said, it is finished? Well, The enemy's plan to derail Christ going to the cross, that didn't happen. That was finished. And love won. He completed what God sent him to do. The sacrifice of Jesus was perfect. The debt was paid in full. Sin lost its sting. Jesus looked up to the Father and said, I have finished what you sent me to do. And it's over. 
I did it. The debt has been paid. That's the good news. And that's what billions of people, not just millions, that's what billions of people across the world are celebrating this weekend. Love won. Love won when Jesus finished his work on the cross. But even that isn't the end of the story. Because three days later, three days later, Jesus was raised to life so that we can have life. That is the great news of Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. But there's other news. The other news is that even through Jesus being finished, you and I haven't finished yet. None of us have. If you're alive today, you have unfinished business. There is more that God wants you to, wants you to do. There's more that God wants to do in you. There's more, that, uh, there's more uh, uh, of what God has planned through you. So write this down for number one. Here's your first fill-in for this Easter weekend. Love one and gave us a way to God. Love one and gave you and I a way to God. Let me ask you, how many of you have unfinished projects at your house? All right. Come on, keep them up. Austin, I know you got something to do at home too, right? If you say, I don't have any unfinished projects at my house, Jeremy, make sure you send me an email, give me a call because I need you to come over to my house and help me with some of mine. Well, guess what? I've also talked to some of your spouses, and they gave me a date of when you were supposed to finish that project. Yeah, I talked to all of them. They gave me the date. You know what? Here's the date. Here's the date that you gave them and that they told me. It's this. Ready? Someday. <laughs> That's the date. When am I going to get to this? Well, someday. That's what we say all the time. <clears throat> what about you on the inside? What unfinished business, what unfinished projects do you have to finish on the inside of you? You see, all of us instinctively know deep down that we do not have it all together. If you don't know that, you should know that. We may look great on the outside, and sometimes even that is debatable. But on the inside, we know our own heart. We know we all fall short. We try. I mean, we really, really try. But there's just no way to make it up. Romans chapter 3, verse 23, the Apostle Paul says this, For all have sinned, all fall short of God's glorious standard. So we try and we try to finish the business. We try to secure our own salvation. You think, what's, what does that mean to be saved? What, is it, what does salvation mean? Uh, the whole the whole theological, the whole biblical con, uh, context of the word saved and salvation means that as humanity, we needed to be saved from ourselves. We needed to be saved from an eternity of separation from God. And that's the whole point of Jesus dying on the cross and being resurrected. But we think sometimes that we can do it by ourselves. I'll just rescue myself. I'll just do a bunch of things to try to get on God's good side and maybe that will weigh out in my favor. We believe things like, um, maybe I'll just do more things in my community or I'll dig more wells uh, for third world countries or if I sponsor just two more kids in Africa or volunteer to help keep uh, eradicating uh, sex trafficking in my area. Maybe that will be good. Maybe that will be enough to get me a ticket to heaven. 
And all of those things are great. Janet and I participate in all of those things. We help in our community. We've helped fund uh, wells in other countries. We have kids that we sponsor in Africa. We partnered, we, uh, our campus has partnered with a human trafficking organization. All of those things are wonderful. The problem is that we believe that it's our efforts and our good works doing those things that gets us a relationship with Jesus or gets us into heaven. But those things aren't even going to be on the scale because that's not how God weighs things. We think of other things. You know, there's, there's other, there's other uh, forms of, uh, quote, unquote, forms of salvation, like saved by sincerity. If I'm really sincere, if God really sees how sincere I am, maybe that will get me into heaven. It doesn't matter what I believe as long as I'm sincere about it. Just think that one through. You can be sincerely wrong because there's a difference in sincerity and truth. I can be absolutely sincere but be completely wrong with what I think about Jesus. So what's that mean? It means that what is ultimately true is what matters. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He didn't say I'm a way. He said I'm the way. There's also being saved by good deeds, which is what we talked about just a few minutes ago. If I just keep doing a bunch of good things, that will earn my way to heaven. We keep hoping that, that, we, that our good deeds will kind of tip the cosmic scale, but the Bible just doesn't work like that. It doesn't read like that. There's also saved by subtraction. It's not what I do, it's what I don't do. I'm a good person. We, we, we think that we can give up a bunch of things to get to heaven. All right, I've said this before. You know, we walk around with the cliche. I don't drink, smoke, cuss, or chew, or run around with girls that do. You know, we think that is our ticket to heaven. I don't do nothing. I don't do nothing wrong. You know, we have these fancy cliches. I, I've, got, I've got a million of them, especially growing up in church in the South. If following Jesus is wrong, then I don't want to be right. We have all these crazy Christianese type sayings. But none of those things are what get, gets us to heaven. Because of being a Christian means that uh, uh, it, it's a matter of not doing things, then our cemeteries are full of a bunch of Christians because they don't do much. They're saved by ritual. If I just perform a bunch of rituals, that will earn my, that, 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 that will uh, uh, build my relationship with Jesus. That will help me get to the Father. I'll get baptized. I'll, I'll maybe join a church. Those things will make me a Christian. But we know that sitting in church doesn't make you any more a Christian than sitting in your garage makes you a car. It doesn't work like that. The rituals that we go through is our attempt to finish business in our soul, to make up what's lacking on the inside of me. If I go to church, read the Bible, get baptized, give some money, don't get me wrong, all of those things are great but those things don't keep me in right standing with God. Then there's saved by connection. We think we can get to heaven because of someone else's faith. Mom and dad and, and auntie and grandma Betty and all them, they're all Christians. So I guess genetically that makes me a follower of Jesus too, right? No. Because if my dad has a full head of hair, which he doesn't, and I know he's watching, 
That doesn't mean I'm going to have a full head of hair. I can't go, I can't, uh, go through life with borrowed things. I can't borrow someone else's faith to have a relationship with Jesus. It doesn't work like that. I have to have my own genuine relationship with Jesus. You see, it's got to be a very personal decision. Here's another one. Saved by comparison. The fact that we walk around and say, well, I'm better than that person. That person calls themselves a Christian and a follower of Jesus. I know their life. I know I'm better than them. So if they're a Christian, if they can call themselves a Christian, if they're going to go to heaven, then I'm a, I'm a shoe in It doesn't work like that either. Jesus says these words in the book of Revelation, chapter 3. I know all the things you do and that you have a reputation for being alive, but you are dead. Now wake up. Strengthen what little remains, for even what is left is at the point of death. Your deeds are far from right in the sight of God. So here's the ultimate problem. I have unfinished business in me that I can't finish. No matter how hard I try, I can't finish that. I don't have the resources. I don't have the tools. So where does that leave me? It leaves me stuck. But Jesus came. He died. He rose again. And once and for all, love won. So write this down for number two. Love won when Jesus finished his work of grace for me. Here's what's hard to comprehend. What Jesus did on the cross in his resurrection was a complete act of grace. It was. You think, well, what is grace? Because grace is such a a multifaceted term. It's it's such a multifaceted word, isn't it? There's really no one single definition of the word grace. Here's what we have kind of narrowed the definition of grace down to here for new life, is that grace is when God gives you what you need instead of what you deserve. God gives you what you need instead of what you deserve. That's grace. Grace is when God says, come on home. I don't condemn you. I know what you've done. I know it's in your heart. I know it's in your mind. I know it's in your thought life. I know it's in, in, in your spirit, what's going on. Come on home because I'm not going to condemn you. That's grace. Grace is when God forgives you and then gives you a second chance and a third chance and a fourth chance and a hundredth chance and a thousandth chance. The chance to start over every single day of your life. That is the grace of God. Because we don't normally see that kind of grace from humanity, do we? From others. There was a guy named David Hagler. He used to be a referee and an umpire. And he wrote uh, uh, some uh, sort of a a biographical book about his his escapades as being an umpire and uh, and a referee. He wrote this story, uh, he wrote about this story one time. I was driving way too fast in the snow one day in Colorado when a policeman pulled me over and gave me a speeding ticket. I tried to talk him out of it by telling him how worried I was about my insurance going up and how careful of a driver I normally was. I begged him, but he said, if I didn't like it, I could go to court. So the first game of the next baseball season approached. I was umpiring behind home plate, and the first batter up, was the same policeman. I recognized him. He recognized me. Then he nervously asked me, how did things go with your ticket? I just stared at him and told him, swing at everything because they're all going to look like strikes to me. 
<laughs> you see, we don't normally experience grace from others, do we? But God shows us grace 24 hours a day. The next breath that you're going to take is because God gives you that breath. God's grace allows your lungs to fill up with air and to exhale. You have nothing without God's grace. Everything that we have in our life is a gift from God. You say, wait a minute, Jeremy, I earned what I have. That house I live in, that car that I drive, that wife that I married, that husband, uh, that, that's the fight. No, I made those decisions. I earned that, Jeremy. Hold on. Who do you think gave you the power to earn those things? Where do you think you got your brains, your health, your mind, your arms, your legs to be able to work? That breath in your lungs is by the grace of God. Literally every single thing in your life is because God is good and he gives you what you need, not what you deserve. That's the grace of God. The Bible says that God loves to shower us with his grace. Romans 3.24, yet now God in his gracious kindness declares us not guilty. He has done this through Christ Jesus who has freed us by taking away our sins. God understands you better than you know yourself. I've quit trying to figure out other people's motives for me because, let's face it, quite frankly, I have a hard time figuring out my own motives for me. God knows me. And he knows what makes me tick. He's watched every moment of my life. He's watched every moment of your life. The Bible says that he saw us as we were being formed in our mother's womb. He watched us take our first breath. He knows every thought that we've ever had, good, bad, or ugly. He's seen it all. And he still loves us unconditionally. That's called grace. He knew you before you were even born. He knew that you needed someone he knew that you needed a redeemer. He knew that you needed a savior, a rescuer to set you free from your sin. That's why Jesus went to the cross. Because you can't do that for you. You can't pay your debt. You can't forgive yourself of your sin. It took Jesus. And Jesus said, I'll do it. I'll die for you. It is finished. The words, it is finished, actually comes from one Greek word. And it means to end, to complete, or I love this, to discharge a debt. Jesus said, it is finished. I did it. I paid the debt. I finished it. I discharged everything that you sent me to do. This one little word is so rich in meaning. One of the ways that this word is used is when a worker would return to his boss and he would say, boss, it's finished. I've finished everything that you sent me to do. There's nothing left to do. It's all done. I did everything that you asked me to do. Kind of the complete opposite of what our teenagers do when we send them out to do a chore, right? But this one word that Jesus spoke takes on a whole deeper meaning when you realize that this was the word written across the debt that you owed. Imagine thousands of years ago when you went in to your debtor with the very last payment of what you owed him. And you put that money down. He gave you a piece of paper and he wrote across it, Tete Leste. 
Tetaleste. It is finished. Paid in full. And it's the same word that Jesus cries out on the cross. Tetaleste. Your debt is paid. Jesus is saying, if you accept my payment, then you are free. Why would he do that? Because of love. And love won. The cross and the resurrection is the ultimate victory of love. For you, for me, for humanity. King David wrote this in the book of Psalms, chapter 51. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sins and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Imagine all your sin, all your debt, all your mistakes, all your past, completely wiped clean, washed away. Jesus says, it is finished because love won. We've asked our worship team to do a song, uh, How He Loves, and we've also incorporated uh, a spoken word in conjunction with this song. It's beautiful. We wanted you to be a part of it. And so take a minute, just watch this video. He is jealous for me. Love's like a hurricane. I am a tree bending beneath the weight of his wind and mercy. When all of a sudden I am unaware of these afflictions eclipsed by glory, and I realize just how beautiful you are and how great your affections are for me. And oh, Jealousy is defined as fiercely protective or vigilant of one's rights or possessions. But do I fully recognize that God's love for me is supersized? Can I fathom in my finite brain with all of my random displays of casual frailties and trying to break away that he intensely searches for me night and day? I can think of 10,000 reasons why I don't deserve his love, a love that ferociously protects and covers when regrets attack and doubts hover over me. Honestly, I am in shock at the fact that God actually wants me, wants to adopt and name me, put his holy robe on me, give everything to me. It's not fair that I could reject his rule, throw him out and become the world's greatest fool, or maybe more like a tool used in hell's rebellion, living like a hellion, attempting to quell his mission of grace. How could he keep loving me? Sounds like fiction, too audacious to be true. Seems reckless, over the top, relentless. Did somebody punk me? All right, who sent this? But could it be? Is he real? Can I trust this? Something too good to be true usually is. However, I can see my pieces are mending. Slowly I'm comprehending, suspending my discipline.
disbelief, illuminating my darkest grief, helping me turn that leaf, anxious thoughts becoming brief. And so I guess it's not about what he can get from me or that he wants to abuse me, coerce me or control me. It's all about his love for me, his sacrificial care for me. It's a case of grace, not backing down, not letting go, not giving up, not calling it quits, not waving goodbye. So deep and wide, I am forever safe inside. Oh, how he loves me. portion that means he's satisfied when we're with him the smile in his gaze keeps telling the truth of this offering life's purest kiss his love is more than a wish much too powerful to resist it towers above everest and melts the stones of our judgment outlasts our harshest regrets the depths of his devotion are greater than all the oceans oh how he loves me and oh how he loves you God's like a storm, chasing your heart with affection, calling your name with intense determination. Don't matter if you're wrecked, he still just wants you. Giving more grace than he can hold, overflowing, my mind is blown. You are his child, his very own. Oh, how he loves you. falls not too far hope sees through jesus keeps on reaching into your darkest recesses pulling you out wrestling you away from all the lies and the doubts oh how he loves you imagine a second chance where you're free from your past and life is a brand new dance with the one who loves you more than his own life are you ready for that divine romance now I want you to look straight at the person next to you and speak this truth to them, how he loves you. Ready? Say this with me, how he loves you. 
Man, I, I absolutely love the words of that song. So rich and so meaningful. It's just one of, those, one of those reminders that we have that second chance, that third chance, that fourth chance, that we have another opportunity to surrender our lives to Jesus. Listen, 2,000 years ago, before you were even born, God knew that you would be sitting wherever you are right now and listening or watching this video watching this online service. He knew it. He knew that wherever you are, whatever state you're, that you're in, he knew that this, week, that this Easter weekend in 2021, that you would be right where you are listening and watching this. He knew that he needed to get you still long enough to get your attention so that you can hear you matter to him. That he died for you, that he rose from the dead for you, that he loves you. He wants you to know that he's seen everything that's going on in your life and that today, beginning this weekend, you can have a brand new life. You can have a brand new beginning and that it can be different. Your life from here on out can be different if you make the decision. He won't force himself on you. He won't force you to make the decision. He wants it to be your decision. And he also wants you to know that you can't do it on your own power. You can't do it on your own deeds. You can't do it on your own works, on your own merits. It has to be you accepting what Christ paid for you. He paid a debt that you could not pay. And he did it with the blood of his son. Jesus is saying to you this weekend, I paid the debt for you. My love won for you. And the ultimate proof in that it is that it really is real. The debt has been paid. Jesus rose from the grave and he lives to this day. He did that. He conquered death and hell so that by the power by the power of the Holy Spirit you can live too. He offers that to you this weekend. The question is, will you accept it? Or will you reject it? Because love has won. Will you pray with me real quick? Father, we celebrate this weekend. We celebrate the fact that not only did you go through such a horrific ending to your life on the with the crucifixion and on the cross, Lord, but three days later, Three days later is why we still celebrate this weekend, that you rose from the grave. The same power that raised you, raised you back to life, the road that, that rose your body from the grave, Lord, is the same power that lives on the inside of us. Father, right now, under the sound of my voice, Lord, if there's anyone out there that doesn't know you, that's never accepted you as their Lord and Savior, that's never surrendered their life to you, that's never put their trust and hope in you, that's never been forgiven of their sin, repented of their sin, and found that forgiveness, Lord, I pray that that's being done right now as I'm praying, right now in the name of Jesus. Let it be so. Father, I pray that there are new beginnings, that there's new life all across the valley, the Central Valley of California, all over the United States right now, people are making that decision, whether they're watching or listening to this message or hearing a, a message from a, 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 another church, Lord, that loves you, that's trying to empower people to find you. 
Father, we praise you for that this morning. And Father, we just ask right now that you will search our hearts, forgive us our sins, and help us surrender and trust you with our future. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, thank you so much for watching. Hey, do us a favor. Um, If you uh, decided to turn your life over to Christ this weekend, we want to know about that. So if you could text the word decision to 30500, 30500, that's decision, D-E-C-I-S-I-O-N, decision to 30500. Once you do that, we will send you a link that uh, you'll have access to some of the resources uh, to help you begin your journey with Jesus. Because we know that sometimes people make that decision and they think, well, now where do I go from here? What, where, what, what book do I, do I start in, in the Bible? How, how do I reach out and, and, and deepen my relationship with Jesus? We have resources available for you. So just text that word decision to 30500. And before we go, I want to read out of the book of Hebrews chapter uh, 13, verses 20 and 21. Now may the God of peace who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, and ratified an eternal covenant with his blood, May he equip you with all you need for doing his will. May he produce in you, through the power of Jesus Christ, every good thing that is pleasing to him. All glory to him forever and ever. Amen. Hey, as you go, carry the joy and the power of of the Easter story with you wherever you go this week. Share the hope and the love of Jesus Christ with someone this week. We love you. Have a great week. We'll see you next weekend.